Father, I thank you for this word, Father. Father, I thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation, God, and the knowledge of you, Father. I thank you what you're doing, God, even the breakthrough since the revelation, God, since even last Wednesday, God, and the, the Holy Spirit Friday night and Wednesday, God. We ask you to continue to bring us through this winter season, God, into a new season, God, into a season of new growth, into into maturity, Father God, into into in, into full submission to your word and to your power and to your spirit, God. Father, we thank you for the spirit of wisdom and, under, and, and, and revelation with understanding, O oh God. Father, let every truth come forth today like a mighty river, God. And Father God, we break all the spirits of rebellion, witchcraft, anything that would come against the knowledge of you, Father God. Let it come, God. Seer, uh, uh, come inside of our minds, God, and expand your kingdom, God. Break our own mindsets, our own paradigms, the things that we put you in, every box that we built around you, God. We break it right now by the power of God. And Father, we give you full submission to our hearts today, God. We give you full submission. We submit to love today, God, and the cross and the power of your resurrection, God. Let it work, God, like never before. Let let love abound inside of us and all around us like never before. And let the fruits of of repentance come forth like never before in the mighty name of Jesus. And I want to say this message, almost there's parts of this message that there's nobody that I know that doesn't have any part of this message in their life. And, I, and, 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 and we gotta got to break these three towers. I'm going to call this message the three towers. Um, and after this, I'm hoping we're moving on with this, but God's been hitting these, these topics and these situations, and we need to overcome them. And we need to conquer them. And we need to move on so God can do a mighty work inside of us and all around us by the power of the anointing of Jesus Christ. And these three towers are rebellion, pride, and witchcraft. I'm going to read in Genesis right now. Genesis 4, 1-15. And Adam and Eve had his wife and conceived and bare and bear, um, Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And then she bare his brother Abel. And Abel was the keeper of the sheep. It was a tiller of the ground. In the process of time, it came that Cain brought the fruit of the ground of the offering unto the Lord. And Abel brought his firstling of the flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering. And now we are a living sacrifice. Our life is the offering unto God. And everything that we do and say has to come under the obedience of Christ and unto what He tells us to do. And then all the things that come grow inside of that. So he said, But unto Cain his offering had no respect. Why? Cain's heart. Cain's heart. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. Because God was rejecting him because of his heart, he got very angry. And then he ended up taking it out on his brother. And even when we get angry with God, we end up taking it out on one another. Because when we can't even do the things and follow, and we rebel against God, or the things that we know deep down, we don't even know how Satan's even working us, we begin to isolate ourselves. And we begin to even attack our own selves and our own loving families and different things in our life. And we're all doing this in different times and seasons. And God says we need unity in the Spirit. And it was like this. Came, uh, Abel came with, with the right offering, with the right heart to God when he brought what hit, and out of obedience. He was obeying God. Even though Cain did what he was supposed to do on the outside, on the inside he was doing it with, with the wrong heart. And sometimes we can be doing all the right things, but if our heart's not in it, I made a post this week, 
we're not going to win it. If our heart's not in it, we're not going to receive the blessing even from doing it. God wants us to continue to do what He's asked us to do, but our heart needs to be right as we do it. And then in His will is peace and joy. So, and they they shall be accepted. And He said, if you do well, won't you be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lies at the door. So even from the beginning, sin was lying at the door. And this is since the beginning of time. And his brother, and it says that he, and and then it says, and it shall be his desire, it says, his countenance fell on them, and be his desire that he shall rule over thee. And, And Cain talked to Abel his brother, and it came to pass that when they were in the field, he rose up against his brother and slew him. So whatever wasn't Cain, Abel wasn't doing anything wrong. It was actually Cain that had the problem, but he had to take it out on somebody else. Sometimes when we can't do the right thing or we're struggling, we end up taking it out on somebody else, or we even take it out on ourselves. And even that's what Judas did. He he wanted to take it out on the Lord because he couldn't do. He wasn't right right in God's eyes. So he said. Thou hast done, and the voice, and then he killed, and then he says to him, and and as Abel his brother came to pass that they rose up, and he and he came against his brother and killed him, and the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And we are to be one another's keeper. And he said unto them, Why has this done? The voice of of, of your brother's blood crieth unto from the ground. See, the spirit of murder, religion. Um, they all start from from Cain. And that's the spirit of religion, actually. Because he had a religious attitude even from his offering. In our lives, can't, we can't give it religiously to God. We've got to give it with all of our heart and all that is within us. And now, he said, the ground will be cursed. And, and he opened up his mouth and received his brother's blood from thy hand. And when thou, thou will till the ground, and thou henceforth yield unto thee her strength. And a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth, be thee on the earth, means you won't have any home, have any family. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from, and and made, and you shall be a vagabond on the earth, and, and a fugitive. And it shall come to pass that anyone finds you and kills you, the Lord and the Lord will say unto him, Whosoever slays Cain, vengeance shall be on that person seven times worse than Cain. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him shall kill him. And even this week I had a, uh, a dream. And I realized this was one of my brothers, I want to say, in, in the dream. And it was my car. The car represents ministry and different things and vehicles and, and all these different... I know what it represents. But in this dream this person was trying to set me up and this person was throwing um, crack cocaine rocks into my car and getting ready to get me to be searched so I can get arrested and every time I tried to find it throw it out another one it was it was a relentless trying to set me up it wouldn't stop and in my flesh I was going back and forth and trying to do this then I finally pulled other things out of the car then I pulled some of my stuff out of the glove box or something there, and then paperwork with my name on it was in that pile. And then the person threw crack cocaine in that. 
in the pile. I was like, oh, now that's next to my name. So, of course, that's it. So, whatever I did, it was, it, it was continuous. And that's why that morning I came in here and I fought against, and that's why we had breakthrough. I fought against the spirit of entrapment and the spirit of entitled um, and the different spirits. And, we came, and I came against it early in the morning. And then to go on with that dream. And then the police were on the way because they were calling the police. And, and I'm like, well, the police will believe me. And then when the police got there, it was that person's brother. And I'm like, oh, it's a setup. So I came against the spirit of setup. Then I realized when I woke up very um, agitated, but I knew it was God was telling me what the devil was trying to do all this time, the last few weeks or whatever he's been doing, is trying to set me up, trying to agitate me, trying to, and, and, and then I'm getting in the flesh to try to do everything that I can't even do in my flesh because the Bible says that we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against spirits and principalities in high places. So when we begin to take that place and do that thing, the things on the ground will become a lot much easier. So what we end up beginning to do is we begin to, to tell people or do this or send, and we need to pray more. When we get dreams even, we need to pray more and do it by the Spirit because sometimes we want to fix things because we love people. We want to fix things because we want to protect ourselves. We want to fix things because we're we begin to get fear in different things. So as we're led into it, but when we start to do those things, we can get into the flesh and not walk in the Spirit. So what ends up happening is we end up relentlessly going around and around, and the devil is, is setting us up and messing with us. So in that, I came here and I felt the breakthrough. And I felt everyone felt it even Wednesday night. And so as we continue on, that's what God was showing me in that. So in this... Satan is the father of pride. Everyone always, everyone with pride always wants to be the one that's right. When pride, when we're in pride, we always hear things pertain to other people and not ourselves. But in humility, we always look at ourselves first, and then we let God show us what He's talking about. In pride, automatically, we don't even hear the prayer. It's already, we're resisting the truth. And when we're prideful, we'll just resist things automatically. We stir up in our and we start to fight. We all have a level of it because we were in this world. But now we need to break the mold of Cain. We need to break the mold of the old man. Because we, the old man came from Cain, but the new man in that blood cries out for us now. And that's the blood of Jesus. And Jesus is our example. And that's the mold that we need to, to follow. And that's who we're supposed to become like. But we need to surrender to the cross. And to His will and His ways. So what ends up, ends up happening when we get in the flesh... We begin to create Ishmaels in our life. And that when we get in the flesh, and Ishmaels have consequences. So we don't realize the consequences of our actions, the consequences of our words, as we were doing word words and those other things, bring things in our lives that we don't have to have going on. So we see that pride will listen only listens to its own heart and not the hearts of others. It'll dismiss people right away because... It, it doesn't want to receive already. It, it puts up walls automatically because it's, it doesn't want to be exposed. But love does not. Love is transparent. Love, if, if, if you're really operating in love, then, then you will receive. So, jealousy breeds hate and rebellion. And that's what we saw. Basically, what ended up killing him was the spirit of murder. That jealousy is... So Cain was so jealous of his brother because of the Lord's blessing, because the Lord received him. 
and he killed his brother. And that's how we see that happens when we get at odds with one another, when we get jealous of one another. That's why these three, all these things come under these. There's little things if you read in that book, but about um, the strong man, but the things and, and the fruits that come with the strong man and the attributes that come with it and what ends up coming with is the consequences of flesh. And basically in this situation, and even Abraham, who did Abraham hear from? Abraham heard from God Himself. But obviously, he didn't wait on God, and he came in negative agreement with his wife to try to get things easier to make things happen in their time or the way they wanted it. And it ended up getting uh, causing a lot of things. Their decision rose this whole ethnic problem that we're facing today that's actually killing Christianity to this day. And the violence... A lot of all the violence and the false religions in the world came from, from this one uh, mistake. And God allowed them to make that mistake. So don't think just because you're Abraham, the father of many nations, just because you think you're an apostle or a prophet or a pastor or a teacher that you can't uh, make a mistake and, and, and create Ishmaels and, 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 and different things because it happens all the time. And everyone's called the anointing. But the Bible says, receive a prophet and receive a prophet's reward. So in this, all these poor choices, Abraham had lack of judgment. And, and, and everyone said he's the father of faith. And it always talks about his faith. But his faith failed on that time because he did it in his flesh. Right. So his failure, he didn't consider the consequences that would come. Because his flesh desired something that wasn't time for him to have it. And so he, he bore it um, with his mistress, and, and, and it was, um, so let me go for my notes because I don't want to. So then it, we see that in Genesis 16, and then Abraham did not consider this out. So for a thousand years, there was strife, conflict, result from this, this one decision. Far from fulfilling God's promise, and the families of the earth were blessed through him. Abraham lacked the faith, and the root cause was one of the most common. And, and for 13 years, even after that, he had to wait for God in the promise. Guaranteeing, see, this is what, we, this is what does. What Ishmaels will create, problems in families, problems in churches, problems in your own lives, wrong relationships, wrong covenants. Ishmaels are actually the work of the flesh, but they're the work of rebellion. Because when you don't obey God and you want to do it your way, you're rebelling. When you don't want to listen to the Word of God or the man of God, you're rebelling. When you want to hear it your way, you have to hear it as, instead of if you just humble yourself in that positioning, you will see God giving you the answer a lot quicker. He'll be silent when you're in rebellion. He didn't talk to Abraham for 13 years or so in that he didn't say, oh, shame when you now hear it. He just had to wait and wait. And in that, caused all kinds of turmoil with his wife. And his wife got mad at him. And then the whole thing, out of one mistake. So don't think your, your mistakes don't have consequences. But in the Spirit, we won't make mistakes. And if we do in the Spirit, God will fix it. Because God will only resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. But if... if and Abraham wanting to do that showed that he was prideful because he wanted to help God. When we want to help God, that's pride. So 13 marks the number of rebellion. Even look in Genesis 14. 
the days of the king Elastar and Tide, and well, the son of of of, of Bersha, the king of uh, Gomorrah, and and Amma, and Sh all right, all the names, and all these were joined together in Vale and Sinan, and which the salt of the sea. Twelve years they served. This is Genesis 14. Twelve years they served Chedorlaomer, and the thirteenth year they rebelled. So there's another sign of the number thirteen being the number of rebellion. Twelve is the number of government. The problem with re rebel is what we want is sometimes that's okay. The problem with rebellion is we want what we want when we want it, and we don't want to wait to get it when God wants to give it to us. So the problem with rebellion is we want to do it our way and not seek God out to see the way He wants to do it. Even if the result might look the same to you, it's not the way God wants to do it. Because sometimes He even take you the long way because He's doing something in you in that process. So we need to get this out. And rebellion, God gave me this, and this is a po I got 15 poster quotes on this one in the middle of the night last night. Rebellion is the breeding ground for many Ishmaels. Ishmael was birth, right? Rebellion in little Ishmaels. Rebellion is the breeding ground for Ishmaels. We need to break the mold and follow Christ, not Cain. Now we see the prophet, the anointed king, with all the anointing on him, the king. Remember, we're all anointed now. But God sent the prophet to the anointed king. And he was supposed to obey him. And when two people came together, and, and the Bible says when two people come together, they shall have whatever they ask. The power of agreement, just like we, I was trying to say with word wars, is the negative agreement. Well, that negative agreement that, that Sarah had, or allowed Sarah to put that seed into Abraham's head, and Abraham, oh, this will be easier. Oh, we'll do it this way. And he thinks... Living somewhere, working somewhere, doing these things, going this thing, being with this person, talk. We oh, that's a better way. When sometimes it takes somebody to 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 sow a seed into our weak area that we follow them. And when we get that negative agreement, there's more power. It's ten thousand to fight instead of a thousand. So that's what I was trying to talk about. The seed of the negative agreement that they had made created much death to this day, and persecution of Jews and Christians even to this day, and growing. So, rebellion will bring persecution in your life that God had not planned for you to have. And when two people come together, and God said that, and just, there is power. So let's read now Samuel chapter 15. Now let's go to this story. And then Saul, Samuel also said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over my people, over his people of Israel. And therefore, hearken unto the voice of the Lord of the Lord. See, he didn't say Samuel's voice, but God used the messenger. See, the problem is we, 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 we sometimes look at the messenger and we forget who's speaking through each one of us sometimes. So that's the problem. When we don't discern the voice, we won't make the choice. And when we don't make the choice, there's consequences. And pride will not listen to nobody until they hear God the way they want to hear God. They'll go home and say, I want three witnesses. They'll go home and say, show me God in the Bible. And they'll go home and say, well, Lord, I want to uh, meditate on that because I want you to show me. And God's like, I'm not showing you no more because I want to let you hear my voice the way I want you to hear my voice. I'm going to give someone else a dream. I'm going to give someone else 
a word. I'm going to give someone else something. And I'm going to give maybe two or three people parts of this. So then and, and it can be put together. Because I'm going to talk to you the way I want to talk to you. But pride wants God to talk to them when they want Him to talk to them the way they want. Them, just like they want us to. And we need to let that die in our lives. So he said to them, to the voice of the Lord, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that when Amalek is, I'm going to go through the story fast to get to the, to the part of it. Now, he said, go and smite them. So he said, kill everything, destroy everything, and spare not, both man and woman, suckling sheep. He made very clear, he said, go to battle, you're going to win, kill it all, kill everything. And Saul gathered all the people together, numbered in them, and the, um, uh, two, that hundred thousand, and footmen, and and so on, and this thousand. And Saul came to the city of Amalek, and, and laid wait in the valley, and said unto him, The Canaanites depart down to the dwelling in the Amaleks, and destroyed them, and, and, da, 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 and smote all of them, and goes on in the battle, and Amaleks alive, and utterly destroyed all the people on the edge of the sword. And he took Agag the king, though. He disobeyed him by taking Agag the king. He took the seed of the enemy, and kept it so it, it could bring something later when that was birthed because stories will be told things will happen well sometimes God says kill everything in your life kill all the sin well we say well we're going to hold on to this and hold on to that it's the same thing when God gives you power over it and gives you the authority and says you're going to win this battle but you decide to give into that battle because you like you want the the fruits of it you want to to do it your way well the problem was Saul decided to do it his way and that's what rebellion does. It does it your, their way and not the way of the Lord. Saul clearly knew from Samuel, not, not through a dream or anything. And there's so much in this other part of, of these stories. So, he, Saul spared the people. Okay. And Agag and utterly destroyed all them with the edge of the sword. And Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and the oxen and the fatlings and the lambs and, and utterly destroyed them. But the thing that he vile and refused, that destroyed utterly. And it came the word of the Lord from Samuel, saying, It repented me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he has turned back from following me. So he was following me, he was obeying me, but something's got in his heart, something's happening. And he had not performed my commandment, he had not obeyed me. And it is it grieved Samuel... And, 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 and when, when, when God speaks, and when, because Samuel did love Saul too, and Samuel, uh, it grieves Samuel very much, and it grieves us too when we see our brothers and sisters, when we know what they're supposed to do, and they act like they don't, or they shun the word of the Lord. It grieves us because we know there's going to be consequences. And their pride doesn't see that consequence. See, the only thing that we need to know is, is to follow God. Because when we don't, there's consequences, big or little. It's up to God, but we always know there's something's going to happen. So we need to stay humble. All of us. Nobody's out of this. And it says, so he took the lambs and said, And the word came to the Lord, saying unto Samuel, saying, I repented that I set Saul as king and turned back and did not perform my commandments. And many people say they follow Jesus, but they don't want to follow the word. They don't obey his commands. He said, if you love me, you obey me and keep my commandments. And he grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. And Samuel cried for him all night, interceding for him. And when, when Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set him in a place that was gone past to get a guy. And Samuel 
came to Saul and said unto him, Blessed be the Lord, you have, I, and, and blessed be the Lord, I have, I have performed the commandments of the Lord. And Samuel, what thou meanest? This bleeding of the sheep in my ears? He's like, what? And he didn't kill all the sheep either. He kept some of the things. Yeah. And so now you get a lying spirit. Yeah. Because when you disobey God, the devil comes in. And you even begin to lie. And when you have pride, you begin to lie on yourself. And you start believing even what you don't see. You'll start to lie and, and believe you're right. Because that's what pride is. You're right and everybody's wrong. So what ends up happening? Rebellion takes your discernment and destroys it. Rebellion kills one's discernment. And then that means it kills its sight, its eyes. It can't see. So Saul, now Saul's, now then we end up lying to one another and brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen and all the, and, but the rest we have utterly served. So we did half of what God wanted. We did a little bit of what He says. we got to do everything He tells us clearly. And He'll make sure we know what He says. The thing is, when there's a test, the teacher doesn't speak. Just like He didn't speak to Abraham. He waited to see what He's going to do. Then He went to say, why did you do this? Because if God's got to speak to us every other minute, then, then that's not. there's no faith in that. Faith cometh with the evidence of holding out and doing what God tells us to do. No matter how hard it might be, no how much it's got to kill us, because that's why it's the easiest to follow God when we're dead. That's why He's trying to kill us. Because when our flesh is alive, our spirit is struggling to follow in the spirit. But when we crucify our flesh, it's easier to obey and hearken to God. Yeah, we're all dying, but... We can die faster when we submit to God and stop resisting. Because that's what people that resist will do. They will begin to say, well, it's a process. Yeah, it's a process, but you're creating Ishmaels because of rebellion. Thank God we're in grace now because God can turn it all around in, in one trip to the cross. One, going boldly to the throne and get it all back and get the devil away. But we'll go later to see what can happen if we continue on the path of allowing the devil to mess with our mind and our heart and make us be isolated unto, unto what we think and not what the Lord is really showing us or showing other people. And Samuel went in a little, and he said this. Here's the proof of this right now. God resists the proud and gives grace to them. So if grace is lifting, that means pride is lifting. That means rebellion is being, because God will give grace to the humble all the time. So if you feel that things are not, you're okay, you're doing something, there's a lot of grace on it, now it feels hard because you, you're lifting up above the Lord. God is allowing that to push you back down in the resistance, and that's what He said to Saul right here, here's the proof. And Samuel said, when thou was little, in thy own sight, he wasn't little, he was the king, he said, when you were little, when you saw yourself little on your own side, but you've exalted yourself. Was thou not made the head of all the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel? And the Lord sent thee on a journey, and go utterly destroy the sinners of Amalek, and fight against them to all be consumed? Where thou thou did not obey the voice of the Lord? See, rebellion, disobedience is, the, is rebellion. How did not fly the spoil, and thou did evil in the sight of the Lord? So it was the it was the not obeying that was evil. 
Many people think it's a light thing, but you got ten light things a week now. It begins to be a it begins to become a a, a habitual thing. Then we don't like how we feel. Then we start to point to every everything else when God's trying to get a hold of us because He wants to get us back in that place of grace and blessing. And the people took the spoil and the sheep and the ox and and, and He said that you 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 did not obey the voice of the Lord and you've gone gone the way which the Lord sent me and have brought Agag the king and utterly destroyed the Amalek. But the people took the spoil, the sheep and the oxen and the chief and the things which should utterly be destroyed and the sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, has, The Lord has great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices and obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, obey, obedience is better than sacrifice and to hearken than, than all the fat and the rims. In other words, obedience is better than sacrifice. Yeah, you might still be coming to church. You might still be doing what you're supposed to do. You might still be praying. But then your heart has got to be wrong if you're, if you're not obeying God. Then you're just doing it out of works and not out of relationship. So, and the problem we know in this part of the story in another chapter was he didn't even want to wait on the prophet because it was the prophet's job to do the sacrifice. Saul went ahead and did it on his own. So what, 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 what meaning of that is he went ahead and did what is the office of another person and took it upon himself. Oh, I don't need an apostle. I can hear God. I can do the sacrifice. I can take out this spirit. It's still the spirit of Korah. We're all anointed. Yes, Saul is anointed king. But God has specific people to do specific things in our life. And he has order. That shows that God is concerned about order. And when we break his order, we break his heart. People, that's the problem. When, when we have too much love of God and we don't have the fear of God. So that's why these ministries begin up. Everyone begins to do their own thing and just say, Oh, God will do it when he does it. Praise God. I'm just going to worship Him. And then everything is about worship. And that's why I made that poster this week about, you know, God didn't tell us just to sing about the cross. He told us to pick up the cross. Because if we're just singing about the cross, we can sing about freedom, but He wants us to be free. We need to not just sing about the cross, and that's what everyone wants to just bask in His presence. But it's not only His presence, it's His glory that changes. And without the truth, His glory will not come. And without the doctrine of God, our mind will not be renewed. And without the preaching of the gospel, we won't be changed. We won't be uh, clean in our minds and cut off from the flesh because it's all in one thing. And these ministries begin to focus on one aspect, like worship, worship. And they probably don't, they probably just bring prophetic words during the thing and the whole thing's worship. And nobody's getting the, the, the sincere milk of the word, the real thing that, that changes us and grounds us and found, uh, establishes us on the rock. <clears throat> so, he said to the saint, he says, and, 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 and then he says, for when he, he says, rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. And, and see, when someone's in rebellion, witchcraft follows them wherever they go because they're not under grace. So when you're in rebellion, witchcraft, you put it on people and you don't even mean to do it, but you, it's with you. And, and, and then you come and then you're doing what God wants and then everybody's wondering what's going on. And you're like used to when you were under grace, you come into church and you want to blame it on the church. But you actually brought it in because we're 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 a, a union family. Then all of a sudden, that's the hitchhiker spirits that might be 
be trying to come in with people and they don't even know it. Because this is what happens when we exalt our ways and our will above the, the, the will of God. Jesus didn't let any witchcraft on it, even in the garden. He said, not my will, Lord, but your will be done. He said, I'm going to surrender my will because I know what my purpose is. I know what you've told me. I know it's getting tough. I know I don't want to go through with this. I know I don't want to go to the cross, but I know I need to obey you. I know I need to continue to do what you told me to do. I know that my purpose is greater than just me. And I need to fulfill it so I can have my inheritance. And we need to fulfill the promises of God and, and, and the obedience of God so we can have our own inheritance. So we can have our own blessings. So we can have our own things and not always look to the, to the things of others. So then he said, and, sin, and, and rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. And, when everybody, and, and people that are doing that, and, and, and so many people even in this place, and he says stubbornness, and that, it's that stubbornness. Stubbornness is as iniquity. So stubbornness is stiff-neckedness. Stubbornness is the same thing as iniquity. You need to catch up to the whole thing, please. And the iniquity of idolatry, because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and thou hast rejected the king. So he says stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord. God has rejected you from being king. And nobody thinks that God will reject his anointed. But he does it all the time. He just steps back. He turned over Cain into the wilderness. This is a very important thing, is obedience. We cannot rebel against the Lord. We need to do what He's told us to do first. We put everything else in front of Him. Family, jobs, this and that. And God's like, that's why you're never at peace, because you always want to create Ishmaels and make things happen in your flesh. The only thing that can happen is in the Spirit. Just like I said earlier, there's no way we can obtain the things by striving. It's out of obedience. Yes. Everybody's beating herself against the wall because they don't obey what God's telling them to do. And God's speaking through Samuel to some of you. And everybody wants to say, God, show me your way. Oh, I hear from God. But the thing is, God has His way to speak to people through, through dreams, visions, different things. And that's why we have the body. And all, most of our problems is because we decided to exalt our heart and, and make things better. Because we want to either man please or help someone in our family or do this or do that. And then we say, oh well, I got to minister to this person. Oh well, I was able to do this. But it, uh, even though God used you and He did something, doesn't mean you're not still under rebellion. That's right. God used a mule that wasn't even His to, to come and speak to a rebellious prophet. Yeah. So Samuel, and he had transgressed the commandments of the Lord. So therefore, I pray thee, he said, pardon my sin. We always, oh God, next time, next. And he turned again to me. And he said, as that I may worship the Lord. And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return unto thee. And I was rejected. The, you have rejected the word of the Lord. Or you, you rejected the man of God. Samuel was the prophet. Yeah, God spoke to Saul too. But he had his order. And he said to the prophet to go talk to him. But you have rejected him from being king over Israel. And Samuel turned to go his way. And he laid hold upon the skirt of the mantle. And it rent. And, sent, and all of us are anointed. All of us have authority. All of us have some realm of, of, of what we're doing. And that can be contaminated through rebellion. And Samuel said unto him, The Lord has rent the kingdom of Israel from you this day. And has given it to your neighbor. And I better than you. 
and also the strength of Israel, and the lion repent, and is not a man that should repent. And he said that Israel will not lie nor repent, because Israel is not a man that it shall repent. And then he said, I have, and I have sinned, yet honor me now. Still, still, this is how we all the time, we've got to look good enough for another. That's what pride does. He's just got the kingdom, right? There's no repentance, because there's fruits of it. What if God did? Because God changed His mind a lot of times in the Bible because of people's heart. But He did not change His mind with Saul because Saul just does other things. And I've seen it. Oh my God, I've seen so much. That He said to him, Oh, but let me look good in front of the people. Jesus. Now I'm concerned because people are going to see what I really look like or what I really did. If we're really concerned and have the fear of the Lord, we are only concerned with what God sees that we do. Who cares what people see? Because all we want to do is dress up in fig leaves and worry what that's what pride does. It's always worried about people seeing the ugliness inside of us. It's worried about people seeing our flaws. It's worried about people. But, but we need to be worried about God and what He tells us to do, not people. And He said, and the people of, of and Israel turned again with and worship and He said, and then Samuel turned again to Saul, and Saul worshipped the Lord. And he said, Samuel, bring here Agag, the king of Ammon. And he came in him de- delicately, and, the, and Agag said, Surely thy bitterness of death is past. And Samuel said, By the sword thou hast womanless, childless, so shall thy mother be childless among women. And Samuel hewed Agag into pieces before the Lord of Gilgag. So he killed him. Samuel ended up doing what Saul was supposed to do. So Samuel had to intervene and make a big commotion just because of the rebellion in Saul. So Samuel had to go and do what Saul could have done in the first place and everything would have been okay. And then he's like, oh Samuel, why do you got to come here and do all this? Make me look good in front of the people. Don't tell anybody. Keep this secret. Okay, I'll repent secretly, but you really can't repent that way. And Samuel turned again to Saul, and Saul worshipped the Lord and said, Samuel, bring it to me Agag, and he killed him. And so sometimes God will take the prophet, and, and I've said this before, to kill something in your life that you aren't capable of killing, like rebellion. Because you're, you're under your own witchcraft, and you don't even know it, and, you're, and pride will blame it on other people. Oh, the church is, is doing the wrong thing. Oh, everyone's, they're not loving the way they should. They're not, and the whole time it's usually us. Because God can be in the glory right around you. It doesn't matter where you are. If your you're ways please the man, please the Lord, the Bible says even your enemies will be at peace with you. And But we create our own enemies in rebellion because we become an enemy of the cross. So he said, and he went up to the house of Gilgag, and he came and mourned to Saul on this day of death. And nevertheless, Saul mourned, Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord repented that he ever made uh, Saul a king. And then we have Nehemiah about rebellion right here, chapter 9. I'm going through a lot of stuff, not not too much, but enough. And the fathers dealt proudly and hardened their necks, and hardened not into, and hearken not into, when you get stiff neck, it's called stiff neck rebellion. You, you, you're getting really rebelling against God because we're in the New Testament and it's His Word. And when we rebel against one another, we're rebelling against the Word of God. And He refused to obey neither the mindful and the wonders that now that did among us and hardened their necks and, their rebel, and in their rebellion appointed a captain 
And so when in, in our rebellion, God appoints people to come speak into your life. And appointed a captain to return their bondage and the art of God, ready to pardon the gracious, merciful, slow to anger, great for loving kindness, and forsaken them not. Yea, when they made them a molten calf, and said, Thou thy God, thou brought thee out of Egypt, and wrought in great provocations. So he said that's what they do. And we have even with Moses, and we have Korah rebelling against Moses, and God was speaking through Moses. We all have this, we can all have this in us. We need to be uh, submit to, to the voice of God. And then we have Miriam, even that. She got leprosy because she came against the voice of God. Because he didn't say it was the voice of Moses. Moses was coming up and saying, Thus saith the Lord. And when people are in our life and they say, Thus saith the Lord, you better believe it's the Lord. Because if God's having people saying, Thus saith the Lord, it should make you shake. But we've, we've, we've gotten too comfortable with that and, we, and, and the love of God will cover everything. But I'll tell you this, when we get that, we begin to get in a rebel. Witchcraft is upon us. So if someone has the boldness to say, thus saith the Lord, if they're not, God will deal with them, believe me. Because no one's going to go around and say it's from the Lord. And if it's not, He'll put a lying spirit in their mouth. And eventually, they will be exposed on internet, everywhere else, because they will get carried and their pride will take them out. But if someone that's anointed says, thus saith the Lord, and you don't believe them, that's on you. And we need to do that. This is a, 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 an awesome message to remember that God is for us and not against us. But we, if we begin to come against God, who then is going to be for us? Acts 7, 51 through 60. He said, there's Stephen now. He's going to say, oh, that's all the Old Testament. So let's go into the New Testament now. You stick neck and uncircumcised and hardened ears. You do always resist the Holy Ghost. Who is the... Did the Holy Ghost come out of Stephen and say... Ooh, obey the Lord, and or, or was it maybe in a dream to you? Or, and this this attribute, it was Stephen preaching to them, preaching to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the direct word of God that he knew in his spirit, and he was speaking to them. So he didn't say, "I can't believe you're not listening to me," because I'm, I've just got promoted deacon, and you guys don't even know what who Jesus is and what we're doing. I can't believe it. That you know that you know I I'm I'm rubbing shoulders with with uh uh you know Paul or not Paul this time but I'm rubbing shoulders with with, with you know well, Peter and them and they just appointed me a position in the church and you stiff neck don't you come against God's authority no God was talking about him it was God and him they were killing. It wasn't him they really were concerned about. It was what was coming out of him by the oracle word of God. And that's what ends up happening. Jezebel, that spirit, would always want to kill the prophet. And that's why he killed the head of, took the head of John the Baptist. So he said, you, you uncircumcised in hearts and ears, you always resist. Another word for that is always rebel. The Holy Spirit. And so did your fathers, and so are you, because their father is really king. But we have a new father now. We are able to obey. We are able to follow him if we're humble. It's, everyone will do it. The humble receive all the grace in the world. When grace is lifted, that means pride is lifting. And, and what comes? Rebellion, pride, and witchcraft. Three-fold cord that you can't separate one from the other. They come together. There's not one. If you, there's, I don't know anyone that's rebellious that doesn't have pride. I don't know anyone 
that's prideful, that doesn't end up becoming rebellious because they're exalting their way above the Lord. The Bible says anyone that exalts himself above the Word of God, and, and then all of a sudden we come out and we get messed with. And witchcraft is what? When we come out of the covering of a God, the enemy is the, is, is the one that brings mindful assaults. And when we come out of faith in God's will, we end up becoming, and our thoughts end up becoming changed, and then, our, then it affects our heart. And that's when we, we begin to come in negative agreement, then our heart starts to get contaminated. We're going to go into that now too. Because we want to dissect this thing once and for all. And then we can copy and paste it. So who has received... And it says this. And among them the um, fathers persecuted in which before the coming of the just one. Of whom you have been now the betrayers and murderers. Who have you received the law of disposition of angels and have not kept it. And when you heard these things you were cut. They were cut to the heart and they gnashed at you. So when people are rebellious and you bring the word of God, they get very wroth and angry. Just like when Cain heard the word of God, but it wasn't what he wanted to hear. He wanted God to say, well done. He heard, he heard correction and Cain freaked out and killed his brother. And these guys freaked out when Stephen came to correct them and ended up killing Stephen. And he, being full of the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God standing on the right hand of God. And the heavens opened, and the Son of Man was standing on the right hand of God. Then he cried out with a loud voice and stopped his ears and ran upon him with one accord. They were all one accord against him. See, the power in agreement. The power in agreement. The power of agreement can make you a murderer. He cast him out in the city and stoned him and as a witness and laid their clothes at the young man's feet named Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice. And he said, Lay. And somebody had said before, Oh, uh, say to them, uh, Lord, they know not what they do. That was what Jesus said. But what Peter says, Lay this sin not to the... I mean, Stephen said, Lay this sin not to their chart. I think it was you, Frank. I, was, I wasn't going to say it, but this is the same thing. Exactly. So, when I, and later sin not to charge when he had said these things. Why? Because he remembered what Jesus said. He remembered that if I have an offense, even at the people that are killing me, even at the people that are messing with me, what will happen? I'll have sin with me. So even Stephen being stoned could have had sin in his heart. Totally obeying God. I'm doing the right thing. Why doesn't everybody like, I'm doing the right, everything God wants. Keep your heart clean. Keep your heart right and let God do it. Because then he saw the glory. Then he saw the heavens open. Then he saw everything that he, he was promised to see. And at that moment, he's like, oh, goodness. And my goodness, they didn't have any electricity back then. So it was a lot easier for him to die. That's just a little. The comforts weren't the same. There's a lot of things about the same. He was able to be with Jesus once and for all in the glory till the end. We have an assignment. We got to love till the end. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice and said, Lay this sin not to the charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Didn't say he died, he fell asleep. Why? He died in the arm, but he didn't die because he's with Jesus. And we never die. Better to die in the flesh now than have it screaming out at the end. After two days, alright, let's go now to um, Mark 14, 1-12. Let's see another man right now, a rebellious person. After two days was the feast and the Passover of the unleavened bread. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take and buy crap and put him to death. But they said, 
not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar among the people. For being in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, they sat at meat, and a woman having the alabaster box of ointment, and spiked on her precious, she broke it in the, the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation. If you look that up, within themselves. What's within yourself? Within their heart. Their heart already wasn't right with Jesus. Because they're already... And they had legalism, whatever, in their heart. The woman, who is this woman that would do this? She's not the proper person that should be doing this. And said, why was this waste of the ointment made? I'm not focusing on the things that I have. I'm focusing on certain things right now. For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and had been given to the poor and they murmured against her. See, they murmured against her. Side judgment. Judging inaccurately. Judging not by the Spirit, but by the flesh. Judging religiously. And also, for them to be able to murmur that quick, their heart wasn't right. And Jesus said, let her alone while you trouble her. She has wrought a good work. And you have the poor with you always. And whatsoever you will do good, you, yea, have not always. And she had done what she could. She come aforehand to anoint the body for his bearing. So she came to anoint him, and when people feel that they're not adequate enough, if they're not, and they begin to get jealous, and they're not as getting anointed themselves, they begin to murmur and complain. When not knowing that Jesus has all the surplus of oil to come when we obey him. So, forehand to anoint my body for bearing, bear I say to you, whatsoever the gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she has done shall be spoken a memorial of the heart. And Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went unto the chief priest to betray unto them. This got him so mad, he said that's it, and went to make negative agreement in the enemy's camp to find a way to betray him. That means Satan was working on his heart. He was working on it. He could have said, okay, wait a second, this is too much. Kill the deal. But he continued to lust after wanting his way, that's rebellion. See, he wanted that money to be used his way. Jesus said it wasn't a waste. You'll have to, oh, what do you mean? So now, nah, let me get the scripture out. This isn't good. This isn't line up with what I, I well, the, the Spirit himself just said it. This doesn't line up with, with, with my plan and my agenda. And this doesn't line up with what I think is going to happen. So let me just, uh, 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 that's it. You're not. You're not the right leader. So if, if 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 Satan can get in the heart of Judas against a perfect man and a perfect leader, how much quicker do you think he can get into one of our hearts and the imperfect leaders and imperfect men? How much more do you think we need to be careful? And he said, and Judas is scary. One of the twelve went unto the chief priests and to betray them. And when he heard of this, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought how he might... Con- and then he went from that day, he said, oh, you will give me money for that. Then he went to Potter. And then he now, he went, and now he has that entrapment spirit. Many of us have got that. I've felt a little bit of it. When we have an offense towards our brother, we don't take it and get the offense out. We now start to walk in an entrapment. We're not trying to go to the cross. We're waiting to see what else they'll say wrong. We wait to see what else they can do wrong. So we end up getting our treasure chest 
full, full of the stuff. So later, when we're confronted or we're corrected like Jesus was correcting Judas, we can pull this out. Yeah, but what about you? And you're not perfect or you're not this. So, and then, then we'll say, well, something like love covers. But at the end of the day, you uncover love when you start to pull things out of the treasure chest that happened before. And the Bible doesn't only say love covers, because Jesus is all love and He covers our sins. So that's basically what the ultimate thing about that is. But on the contrary of that, when you say love covers, well, actually, um, there's more to it. Love also takes no record of wrong. So there's no treasure chest to cover. So basically, love doesn't just cover sin, because now Jesus came. Love dissolves it. It, it takes it away. We don't have to cover something that's not there anymore. Come on, that's the, the gospel. Yeah. We take these scriptures out of context, but if, it, if our heart's not right, they, don't, they, they cannot apply for us. Because we're not covering nothing if we're storing it up. All we're doing is hiding it for a later use. And when we have offenses or we're rebelling or we're trying to win our case, we can pull that out. And then all of a sudden, all it becomes is he, he said, she said, or this said, and then we don't have time for that. God says the only time we have is time to love. So, this is what he was doing. And when he heard it, he was glad and he promised to give him money. And he, and he conveniently waited to... So Satan was working on it. And it was the first day of the Olympic and they killed the Passover and his disciples. So now let's jump to John. So when, when we... John 13. Now, before the feast of the Passover, and Jesus... So now let's see a different way they say it. And... And unto the world, I'm on. Well, <laughs> and loved one that was in the world, and loved them unto the end. And then being ended, the devil having now put into. See, here's some more proof. Like you know, well that wasn't it. Well, that's why we got four gospels. Let's see how John says this. It, it wasn't even fully him because if his heart was 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 guarded and and, and protected, and he and he didn't have any fences, Satan couldn't start putting stuff in it. So, right here, he says, And the supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. He put it in his heart. He didn't, he didn't enter into him yet at that point. He was, he was putting stuff in. He was depositing doubt, unbelief, hate, murder, strife, jealousy, debate, witchcraft, emulation, strife, heresies, uh, divisions. He was putting all that in heart. And saying, it's okay because I, a pride, I have a right. They've done this to me. I have a, I, you don't want me because I don't have time. I'll do that next week. Pull out the whole thing about uh, forgiving and not, not forgiving. But he said this. And, and, and then he said, and, and doubt, he says, And Jesus, knowing the Father had given him all things into his hands, who came unto him, he went and risen to the supper, and laid aside the garments, and took the towel, and girded himself. And after he poured the, the water in the basin, he washed the disciples' feet. He washed and poured the water and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherein he girded. And here comes Simon Peter. So he washed his feet. Did he wash all other feet? Does anybody know that? Doesn't say it right or not, we don't know. But he said to the disciples, let's say he washed them all. Then he even washed Judas' feet. And in the spirit of Jesus, he was serving his enemy even till the end. And if we want to be like Christ, we need to do that. And the enemy that he that others didn't even know Jesus had, but Jesus knew it, 
Believe me, when you have an enemy, when someone's heart's against you, the whole room might not know, but you always know because there's something there. And you know there's something there. Other people might not pick it up, and God will show you. But then your test is love, and God will do the breakthrough. Are you going to let the enemy in and start to put all those things in there, or are you going to guard your heart? Because that is what a warrior does. And he said, and he risen the Lord's Supper in the garments, so he took the towel, and Simon Peter said unto the Lord, Thou don't wash my feet. And Jesus answered said unto them, No, Lord, no, but thou shalt now hereafter. Peter said unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Pride. That's pride. Oh, what do you mean? It's false humility. <laughs> God wants to do something and you say no, it's pride. God wants to wash your feet and you say you're not worthy enough. False humility. Biggest form of pride there is and the spirit of religion is tied to that one. And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast no, okay, and, 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 I keep getting lost, sorry. And, and, and does not wash my feet. And he said, I knowest now thou, but thou shalt know after. And Peter said unto them, Shall wash my feet? Jesus answered, If thou wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. So when we don't receive Jesus, he won't receive thee. And Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only. See, this is the attitude he wants. When we get corrected by Jesus or one another, we become like it. Wash my whole feet. I didn't understand it, but I understand it. I don't. And also, my hands and my body. And that's why he 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 really uh, dig Peter. And he said unto him, Thou hast wa- is wash neither to save to f- wash the feet, but clean every whit. And you are clean, but not all. So he's talking about what? Because their hearts were right, and Judas's wasn't. So no matter how much you wash on the outside. How many he can wash your feet, your eyes, your hands. If you don't let him wash your heart, if you don't protect your heart, you're not clean. So he was making an outward thing, but he said, There's nothing I can do for you when you allow your heart to be taken over by the devil. So he said to this, He said, Thou is one is not clean. But he washed him compared to where he said his disciples. He didn't say some of the disciples. He said he washed his disciples' feet prophetically. But he says, even no one, because what? The word is written on our heart. Judas was rebellious against Jesus. What do you mean? Well, obviously he's betraying him. He, he didn't listen to all the things he said for three years. Because at the end of the whole thing, he wanted to kill him. At the end of the whole thing, he wanted. He was at odds with him. So he obviously Judas had a better plan than Jesus. And he, he went to do it with the enemy. He, wanted to, he went to the enemy's camp and made the plans. And that's what Satan will do. Bring you right into Jezebel's camp. And you'll start to make plans for what your flesh wants, what you want, what your mind wants. But at the end of the day, it's not what God wants. But in humility, you'll know exactly what God wants. And he washed his feet and taken his garments and set them down again and said, What well, you know have what you... Okay. And, and needed to wash my feet. And he said, And for he knew that he should... That, that who should betray him. And therefore he said, You are not all clean. So after he washed his feet, and taken the garments, and he sat them, and he said unto them, Know that we have done... Un-. That one could have repented right then. Never said nothing. When you're in rebellion that much, you stop even seeing the little hints that God's trying to give you. Right there, he's trying to tell them, one of you is not clean. He said, Oh God, who? It took a little bit longer. He's like, he could have said, oh my God, I've been had. Oh God, I repent. I was going to do this. Forgive me. Jesus would have just probably turned himself into them. 
He didn't have to use Judas. The reason the scriptures said all that is because it, that's what was going to happen. God was prophesying the future. Everybody says that, let it be done, that scripture be fulfilled. Well, scripture is going to be fulfilled. That's why it's going to be done. <laughs> it's not just God's trying to fill this maze. He's, he told a story and he, there's no parts that are going to be lacking. It's a perfect story because he wrote the movie. So he said unto them, that you know how you've done unto you and he called me master and Lord and, and, and you say well, for I am so I am. For so I am. And then your Lord and Master have washed your feet, so ought you wash one another's feet. And I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. But verily, I, and, and, and this is sent, greater is he that sent him. Neither is he that sent him, but greater is he that sent him. And you know these things, happy are you that do them. Speak not to all, I don't speak unto all, I know whom I have chosen. But that the scriptures may be fulfilled. He that eateth bread, now he's still eating with him. He that eateth bread and has lifted up his heel against me, now I tell you before it come, that when it come to pass, you may believe that I am he. Now what I'm trying to say is, God spoke what was going to happen before it happened, because he saw it happen. But if Judas would have changed things, the, the scriptures would have been written different before they happened. Sure. It's really deep. You gotta, you gotta really meditate on that a while. <laughs> and believe that I am. Verily I say unto you that he that receives whosoever I send receives me. That's us too. If we get sent to our brother, say something. If we don't receive him, we're rebellious to God, not just to our brother, to him. He that receiveth me receiveth him who sent me. Well, if the Holy Spirit sent Stephen to talk to those Pharisees and Sadducees, it was God they were resisting. It wasn't Stephen. And when Jesus said thus, and troubled in spirit, testified and said, Verily I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked at one another, doubting whom he may spoke. See, they were like, had the attitude, Oh my God, it could be me. Because they're like, I'm not perfect. That's, that's true humility. Right there is the, the recipe of true humility. And he said, and, he, and, and, and Jesus said, Thus trouble, and, and, and he was troubled in spirit and testified, said, Verily I send you that one of you, Jesus was troubled because it wasn't good. And when we know something that other people might not know, Judas didn't know the whole aspect of what was going to happen, but because he was, he was in a whirlwind of, of Satan's delusion of, of rebellion, cremating uh, an Ishmael in his own life because God wouldn't have chosen him if he didn't want him to be one of the twelve apostles. Then his disciples looked at one another, doubting of whom he spoke. Now Jesus, in his bosom, leaning on his bosom, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved, Simon, Peter, before he beckoned to him, that he should ask one, it should be of who he spoke. He lying on Jesus' breast said unto him, Lord, is it, who is it? Not, it can't be me. I do this, this, and this. I follow Jesus. I'm doing all the right things. I can't be prideful. I can't be in rebellion. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. You think we are, but when we're in that, you understand what I'm saying? we got to be careful. And Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give this op to. And probably the whole time, Jesus is like, Oh God, hope someone else is worse than me here. Is it me? Is it me? <laughs> and at the same time, He's not going to confess it before the other ones because of pride. Don't let them know. And them all didn't. God didn't. Jesus didn't really let them. And they said... That, that, because they, they didn't even understand before that he was, uh, what he was doing with the, with, with the uh, with the money and stuff. But right here he exposed them. It says 
He had dipped the sop and he gave the Jews to scary. But then risen, they didn't even realize what was going on because he was going to go and think he was going to go get something for the poor. They, we sometimes we and the son of Simon. And after the sops, right here, when did Satan enter him? When he broke bread falsely with Jesus. That was the last time you will ever see Judas sit at the table of the Lord. Hear a message. Hear his. That was the last time he got to sit. Just like Cain was sent out to be a vagabond into the spirit. Was because Satan had entered into him in murder. He manifested the murder. And when, when, when he fully came, all the warnings. When Jesus was like the one that I dipped up. And he, at that point, when he took the sop, he came in a negative agreement with the devil because of the negative agreement. The, when any two agree on anything, it shall be because of all the agreement he started making with Jesus' enemies, which were the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the spirit of Python and religion in that time. Then what ended up happening is Judas became uh, a member of a whole other uh, camp, and that was the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So that's when Jesus says that He prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. We can end up being uh, someone that we love, an enemy sitting right in front of it because of Satan in our heart. This is really serious stuff. For then He brought, and then he, that, and it said, and then at the table He knew what, and sent He spoke this unto Him. And the same then thought, because Judas had the bag, that Jesus had said unto Him, By the things which you had need against the feast, that he should give something to the poor. They didn't even pick it up. They weren't even sensing what. But we all have the Holy Spirit. Now all of us can discern even more than they could discern at that time because they didn't have the Holy Spirit. He then having received the sop immediately out and was therefore when he gone out the Son of Man be glorified and God is glorified in Him. He that glorified Him shall also glorify Him that in Himself and shall straightway glorify Him. Little children, while I was with you, I told you and said these things. It goes on and on. And He says this, But you shall men know that you are My disciples if you have love one for another. And he says this, A new command I give you, love one another. We cannot have offenses and love one another. We cannot hold... We cannot walk in rebellion and be walking in love. Because we're, we're rebelling actually against God. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whither I goest thou? Jesus answered him, Whether I go, can you follow me now? But thou shalt follow me afterwards. And Peter said on and on. And says, Lay down my life for your sake. Verily I say unto you, the cock will crow. And then he's talking to Peter. And it goes on and on. So, we see that. That was the last time. And... What does God say? Rebellion dwell in a dry place. Where do we sit? Where do we fight our battles? At the, at, at the table of the Lord. Where do we commune with Jesus? Well, in rebellion, you break communion. You're not going to be able to sit with Him and hear really nothing. You're really hearing your own spirit within your own self or someone else or a Jezebel spirit coming and telling you what you want to hear on Facebook, on media, or, or, or in, in your uh, rebellious camp. But I tell you this, God has a way to speak to us, and we know when He's speaking to us. You can sense it by the amount of grace that you're under. The last time, and then it says, only the only cure for rebellion is the fear of the Lord. The only cure for rebellion is the fear of the Lord. We know that in the end, Judas betrayed him with a kiss. He played the game all the way till the end. 
No, and even at that point, Satan had already entered in him. Satan can be in your brother and, and pretending and kissing you, loving you, being with you, but had betrayal in the heart, but in agreement in the room, being in the same room, but and on the outside acting like everything's all right, but in the heart be under betrayal and witchcraft. This is serious. Pride cuts grace right out of the way. No, I say Don cuts grease on that. I thought it was good. Pride cuts grace right out of the way. Amen. Nobody got that. Okay. I got it. Amen. Okay, it's not one of those messages. Good. Everyone's good. We all should be because this message is for me just as well. I can go tomorrow and get an offense with any of you. There goes the anointing. There goes the direct words. There goes my grace. There goes witchcraft on myself. And then I can be putting it on other people. And then you start looking. Everybody's doing this. Leviathan gets resurrected in rebellion. If God could pick a chosen vessel to rebel him against perfection, how much more can he get someone to rebel against us or our love or truth? Second Timothy, and I'm seriously almost done. Well, almost. <laughs> Three more pages or so. Three or four. Um, but I'm going to be quick. I'm just reading this because this is what we have. We live in a time. You don't think it can creep in the church because he's speaking to the church in Timothy. For I know this, in the last days perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of themselves. This is all rebellious. This is all rebellious attributes right here. This is all fruits of rebellion right here. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. When you say disobedient to, to one another. Unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers. That's what Judas was doing to Jesus. Incontinent, fierce, despisers of those who are good. That's what happened to Cain. He despised his brother Abel because he was doing good. Your brother might be despising you because you're doing good. They're not. And then they say, well, I am. And they start to, to lie to themselves. Traitors. Well, that's what Judas did, right? He traitors. He was a traitor. Betrayal is the manifestation of being a traitor. Heedy, that means pride. High-minded means you're, you know everything more than anybody else. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. So lovers of false things. All this is self-idolatry is what it turns out to be. This sort, they are, they creep into houses, led captivity, captive silly women laden with sin, led away... By their diverse lust, ever learning. See what will happen when Satan gets in. You'll keep learning, but you'll never come to the knowledge of the truth. Why? Because of you need to be humble. God exalts the humble. God speaks to the humble. You never can come to the truth because it's at His feet. Now Janus and Dropper withstood Moses, so do these that resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. But they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest with all men, as their also. But to those that are fully known my doctrine, and many, Paul saying, then that know my doctrine, the manner of life, and purpose, and faith, long suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, and unto Antioch in this place, and that says, Lysir, and persecution I endure. And out of them all the Lord delivered me. You need to have a testimony of all the things God and all the people that God's delivering you from that tried to come the wrong way against you. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So once you're deceived, you end up deceiving other people and won't even know it. People that are deceived, if they knew they were deceived, they'd repent and get in the truth. Everybody wants the truth. 
Nobody wants it. Jesus is the truth. So if you're humble, you are in the truth. But continue thou in the things which thou have learned and has assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and thou from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, and the child in the Spirit, he's saying, which are able... See, funny thing, when I meet a lot of people, it's when they begin to know everything. When you met them, you're the best preacher. You get so much revelation. They're, get, they're thanking you every other week. And five years later, two years later, three years later, they know everything now. And that's where the, the rebellion comes in. But God says we need to stay humble with one another. See, three and a half years of ministry, Jesus poured into Judas a lot. Well, wasn't enough. We need to stay humble, God. I endure and seduce you, so wax worse. And as from a child you have known the Holy Scriptures, and all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. I guarantee you, Judas got sick of Jesus correcting him. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto every good work. That's all of us. Go to Hebrews 10, verse 20. By a new and living way you have consecrated for us, and, and through the veil, that is His flesh, having a high priest of the house of God, let us draw with a true heart in the full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. See, Jesus said what He was doing to Peter. But He talked about the true heart, though. Judas didn't have the true heart. All the other ones had a true heart. Even though they didn't know everything, their heart was pliable. Even when Peter denied him, it wasn't because he had a bad heart. It was because of fear. And he didn't know what to do. It wasn't a satanic heart. It was a failing heart. There's a difference between an evil heart and a failing heart. Or even a heart that was whack is getting cold. You need to heat it up by the power of God. And he said, having our hearts sprinkled with a conscience that our body washed with pure water, let us hold fast the profession of faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another. Exhorting is correcting, chastening, lifting up, encouraging to do the Word of God, and much the more as you see the day approaching. And this was written a long time ago. How much more? For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sin. What happened to him? Oh, he's over there? But a certain fearful looking of the judgment, fire indignation, which shall devour the adversaries, he that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. How much sore punishment suppose those shall be thought worthy who has trodden under the Son of God and has counted the blood of the covenant wherein he sanctified a holy thing, who has done despite unto the Spirit of grace. For we know him that has said, Vengeance belongs unto me. I will recompense, says the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge His people. And fearful thing is to fall into the hands of the living God. The fear of the Lord is the... When I say it, it's 
rebellion is the cure for rebellion. But I call it to remember the former days and illuminate. This is New Testament. And the great fight of afflictions partly will be made a gazing stock to the reproaches and afflictions, and partly while you become companions of them that were so used. For you compassed of me my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and enduring substance, cannot away therefore the confidence, cast not away the confidence, which is a great recreance. Do not give up. Do not give up guarding your heart. Do not give up protecting your heart. Do not take any offenses. Do not get tired of doing the same things if God has you doing it. For you have need of patience that you have done the will of God. If you have done the will of God, you need patience to do the will of God. For my soul has no pleasure in Him. That draws back, it says. It says that while you... Okay. That you might receive the promise, obeying the will of God. For yet a little while, that shall come, will come, and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But anyone that draws back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But... We are not them that draw back. See, the, the, the other gospel, of this whole thing of there's, there's, there's so much that God expects us to do, but there's nothing we can do without faith. And there's so much that God expects us to do, but it's not by works that any man should boast. But there's so much that God expects us to do in relationship because everything He expects us to do is to guard our heart fight and war and protect it. Their whole battle in our mind and our heart has to be established in our ways and, and in our walk. And saving of the soul. So right now, everybody can stand up. I'm going to finish with this. Because we're warriors. And what does a warrior do? A warrior, if, we're, if, if, if everything that we do is to guard our heart, and the battle is Satan wants your heart, and God wants your heart, and at the end of life, in, 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 in Cain and Abel's time, the thing was, uh, God didn't have Cain's heart, but he had Abel's heart. So, what ended up happening is, when we let the enemy in our heart, when we let uh, wickedness in our heart, it doesn't mean we're wicked right away, but when we allow the enemy in, we, just like Judas, he begins to work on us. He begins to get us offended with people. And when Leviathan comes and division comes, we can hear all the wrong things. And we hear the wrong things about people and we end up making negative agreement even with the whispers from Satan and we make inner vows. And we make inner vows like, I'm not going to do this or I'm not going to do that or I'm because it wasn't a vow with the Holy Spirit, it was a vow with. Uh, the voice of a stranger. And as we come in agreement with the voice of a stranger, the Bible says any two agree on anything. Well, the devil, if, if you're agreeing, the Holy Spirit is, is considered a person. And Satan is considered uh, um, roaming the earth. And he has a kingdom. We come in agreement with darkness. Jesus says, how great is that darkness? 